SoundCloud wants to make it easier for you to get all of your favorite Smodco podcasts at home or on the go. Get the SoundCloud app today, and you can follow and get your podcast on with your computer or smartphone. Guess what else? The podcasts are on SoundCloud before anywhere else. Go to the Google Play or Apple App Store and get your free app and SoundCloud account today. Geek News Reviews, Commentary, not just another podcast, on the Ordinary Big Ball Broadcast. Insert random joke here. Now here comes your host, Kyle A. Barrett, of the World Steve. Welcome to the Big Ball Broadcast, Episode 7. My name is Kyle A. Bear. I'm an anime and video game voice actor here on the West Coast. And your co-host of the East Coast, of the World Steve. I'm a musician and amateur historian. Now this week on the show, we've got a very special guest who's also a personal friend of ours and has been for the, what, God, the past decade or something when we meet this guy uh, we'll, 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 we'll cover all that but yeah ladies and gentlemen zero reynolds spelled x-e-r-o we're uh, very very glad to have you with us man i'm glad i'm stoked to be here man so you have one of those uh business cards slash resumes that um not many people can wear you you are a coat of many colors as it were so let, <laughs> let's go down the list of what the hell it is you do other than the blanket term artist Yes. Um, I'm professionally afflicted with creative ADD, um, former comic book artist, freelance illustrator, uh, freelance writer, uh, photographer, voice actor, musician, um, general composer, and purveyor of all things whimsical fun. All right, cool. Sony hacker, too? No, no. Okay. No, but apparently, apparently that's a big gig these days. I might get in on that action. <laughs> nice. Nice. So um, I think I met you probably before Steve, right? Or did we all meet yes. at the same time? No, you you met me uh, before Steve, and then I got to meet Steve at a following con. Okay. Probably in Dallas, though, right? Yes. Anime Fest. My favorite, favorite, favorite con to attend ever. That would be the one. Okay. Anime Fest back in its old days when it was at the Hotel Intercontinental. Is that it? Or when it was in Dallas, downtown Dallas? No, so I met you... Yeah, I met you at the one that was um, before they had moved into the really nice hotel with the big atrium next to the the tower and whatnot. Reunion Tower, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah the Hyatt there. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, when I first met you, I think you were doing self published comics, and you yeah, also web comics, yeah, web comics, and then uh, you did a print run and did you know artist alley type stuff mm-hmm. uh and then voice acting with adv as they were known mm-hmm. back then back in the day back in the day oh let's see so if we got any listeners possibly listening right now uh where, where could they hear your voice Ooh, geez um well the biggest one would be gantz um where i played masanobu hojo uh, i was also in elfin lead samurai gun uh mermaid melody I am blanking on a lot of them. Xenosaga and the redub of Macross. Nice. All right. That's that's cool. And uh, by following your your Facebook, you said you're you're you got your sights set on going back to Texas at some point. Yeah, um, we've we've actually been trying to get back down to Texas for a little while, and that's mostly just to be closer to family and friends and things like that. But. Um, it looks like things are lining up, at least with my wife's work, where um, they're willing to move us down there. So we don't have to foot the bill on that, which is pretty huge for us, given our limited funds. Mm, yes. So you are a struggling, starving artist in every sense of the word. Oh, boy, howdy. <laughs> so where are you uh, where, where are you now? 
Right now, we're living in Fort Collins, which is, um, for anyone in Colorado, they know it as the Front Range, which is about 45 minutes north of Denver. Okay. All right. Now, you know, for years, Colorado was just, to me, known as the place where Mork and Mindy was set. But <laughs> but then times change, and now it's uh, it's legal to... Uh, to imbibe with the weed. Yes. Um, has that affected you at all? <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, it had because, um, well, the funny thing, uh, short aside, is um, we went back down to Texas shortly after they legalized it here. And the one thing everyone wanted to know is how crazy is, is it up there? And I'm like, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Uh, the whole reefer madness thing, nothing has changed. But the the great cosmic joke that got played on me is it's finally legal. I'm gonna try some, and then I found out that I am violently, nay, deathly allergic to marijuana smoke. And the two times I tried it, I spent the remainder of the night, at least four hours apiece, praising the porcelain god. So yeah, I, I don't know what kind of poster child I am for the anti drug campaign, but there you go. I don't know. Steve, what are your thoughts? Can you imagine? I, I can't imagine. I, I'm sitting here kind of in bewilderment. I know a lot of potheads, and I've never encountered anybody who's had any type of uh, allergic reaction to marijuana. What type of reaction do you have, Zero? Uh, it's apparently, I, I looked this up after the fact, it's a, it affects a very, very small percent of the population. And it's everything from cold sweats, extreme vertigo, and nausea, which I got to experience the menage a trois of that particular fun. Um, and it seems to be something that can develop over time, which in, in my case is kind of weird because I never really smoked weed back in the day. So it's just one of those things of I moved to Colorado, my wife and I find that we're both celiac, and then I discover that I'm allergic to weed. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, I'm... Uh... As far as I know, I'm not allergic to it, but it does make me very sleepy. And I only do this the contact high stuff. I have no really real interest in smoking anything, but uh, I do feel good at a concert. Yeah, nice contact high. <laughs> but I guess uh, I guess if you went to a concert, that would be problematic for you. Uh, it depends, really, because I've I've been around it, and it doesn't seem to really bother me. But it's the two times I tried actively smoking it myself that, okay, the fun's on. My body does not like this whatsoever. Lesson learned. I, I will stick to liquor and cigarettes on occasion. I'm good. Have you tried any of the edibles? No, not yet. Um, I haven't really found shops up here that really push those. Uh, it's all about the the pipes, the different blends and things they have. Um yeah, I, I would have to actually check around that. That might be something I try in, in a small dose at home just to be safe. <laughs> I had uh, I was just reminded of a story. Uh, uh, a fellow voice actor was at a convention that I was at, and he told me that, like, I had so much fun in, in Colorado. I went to a con, and then I go, and there's the medical dispensary, right? And I just buy, I look, and I see, oh, a bag of uh, gummy worms. And they're like, 25 bucks? It's like, what is that? Is that a piece? It's like, no, it's a bag. I'm like, oh, okay. So he ended up buying a bag and just, you know, he, he put a little, you know, a little tray, as you do at the convention. You know, sometimes people <laughs> buy something, and you take a free candy bar, right? Well, he's, yeah. he's, just, he's just passing out the love and just secretly grinning. It's like, oh, this is great, because I guess hotels and, and and venues there probably still stick to their you know rigid rules and whatnot. It's like don't openly pander guys, but uh, 
now that you can have things, you know, like put it in weed, put it in gummy bears, put it in anything. <laughs> we don't care. Um, then, yeah, maybe maybe Summer, the attendees. Yeah. Summer's Eve, Mary Jane douche. <laughs> oh, God. Now women are putting it up themselves and getting high. <sighs> It's just like the old days with tampons, right? Just soaking in liquor all night. Oh, yeah. You're good to go. <laughs> did you know girls that did that? I only heard stories, but I didn't know anyone personally who... There was there was one girl when I was in high school who had the misfortune of wanting to try it because she had heard the stories. Uh, needless to say, two days later after her stint in the hospital, she realized how foolish that was. Yeah, you think about... Uh, is there yeast in beer? I don't know. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, in then, some blends. Well, there you go. So yeast infection <laughs> taken to a whole new level. Oh, I'm so, so glad we could have the, these magical conversations. Right. Just when you thought you were going to tell me, it's like, I'm just going to talk about my, my web comics, my, my art and all that. And it's like, no, no. Do you personally know anyone who shoved yeah. an alcohol-soaked uh, tampon up their twat? Yeah. Did you know anyone who did a keg stand using their vagina? Well, as a matter of fact... <sighs> I have a feeling Otherworld Steve here has has plenty of stories that would just keep us going forever. No, I'm just sitting here saying, man, I want to get invited to a car in Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I I can't tell you, Steve. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go for it. Oh, I was I was going to tell you, Steve, that as uh, like I was mentioning earlier about the the strict rules and whatnot, it's more that it's treated like cigarette smoking. So take it out to the little area where they have the smoking light up you're fine it's more about the don't have over this amount on you things like that don't sell it blah 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 i'm fortunate i live in in a medical marijuana state we haven't gone full-blown recreational legal legalization yet but um here in massachusetts you can have up to an ounce for a personal consumption. And technically, it's a $100 ticket. It's non-enforceable, so nobody <laughs> pays the tickets. The state doesn't generate any revenue that way. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's, it's pretty open. And I could do that. I could go out, have a cigarette, take a few hits, go back in, do a panel. That's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> now, Zero, I've known through the years that, uh, you know, you're a smoker. You've yes. tried to quit. Uh, yes. You fall off the wagon. You get back on and whatnot. Yes. What's your take on the e-cig stuff? Do you, have you tried that? The vapes? The all I that have. Stuff? I have, as a matter of fact. Um, it, it seemed to work decently enough. Uh, we ran into the problem where we discovered that Katie has an allergic reaction to it, so she doesn't do it. Um, for me, I guess, I guess because I, I got a bad e-cig or something like that, the experience was kind of not satisfying because my e-cig would run out juice too fast, it would run out battery too fast, and blah, 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 blah. But I know if you get the quality stuff, it can help people wean off um, smoking and then eventually wean off nicotine altogether. Now, for my part, um, after my con at the end of next month, I'll just be going back on the patch. It doesn't work fantastically, but I made it work for a stretch of about three months there. Uh, with all the stuff coming down on the E6, though, especially with this latest story of apparently a child died. I don't know if you heard about that. No. Yeah, apparently uh, parents left their liquid nicotine solution out. Kid gets a hold of it. And, of course, it's like pure nicotine is, is pretty dangerous stuff. I mean, it could be absorbed through the skin and everything. It only takes a small amount to make a grown man sick. 
So this kid ingests enough to kill it. And of course, that's leading the charge on coming down on this and banning it and blah, blah, blah. But, but, but here's the thing from my point of view as a smoker and anyone, anytime someone comes at me with, you should really quit smoking, convince the pharmaceutical companies and the United States to put forward an over the counter medication or application that beats the 50 uh, 50 placebo test. And then we can talk. Until then, the only thing that that smokers have is basically force of sheer will, which doesn't work for everyone, electronic cigarettes, or spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on actual prescription medication to get rid of the habit. It's it's a horrible habit, but at the same time, it's like, let's have a little compassion. I want to quit smoking. You want me to quit smoking, but guilting me into quitting smoking is not going to do anything. Convince them to have something that beats that 50-50 placebo test. Mm Mm-hmm. Bravo, Zero. Bravo. Woohoo! Yes. I, I feel the same way. It, 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 it's a filthy, disgusting habit. My wife has really bad asthma, as does mm-hmm. um, children. They're very mm-hmm. disgusted by my habit. But um, I successfully stopped smoking for about six months using an e cig, and it was nice. the same exact thing Zero did. Um, and I, I had a relatively high quality one, but you run out of juice, the battery's dead. Or, you know, I keep it in my pocket and, and you bend over once and that thing snaps, it's all over. Yeah. Yeah. And it became very problematic. And I don't enjoy buying cigarettes. They're very expensive where I live. They're close to 10 bucks a pack. Holy but- shit. <laughs> Damn. Okay, never mind. I've got it easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my justification with my wife in particular was... I, I know cigarettes work. I know I could take a cigarette out of the pack, light it, and it's going to work, unlike my yeah. e-cig. So I might try the e-cig thing again. I, like I said, six months, I think <laughs> pretty good run there. But uh, unfortunately, I'm back on the tobacco. Hmm. Okay, now I've seen some some online blog stuff just this week suggesting that it's even worse than cigarettes, the chemicals involved and all that. But, I mean, that could just be clickbait. It could be a bunch of... You know, heavily biased, uh, you know, journalism. A lot of it is, and I would go so far as to say, again, playing devil's advocate here, that there's a lot of bias on both sides. There have not been, to date anyway, funded comprehensive studies done on the effects of electronic cigarettes because, let's face it, the product is simply too new. There are certain chemicals that people tout in there, but it's it's the same kind of scare of those people who are touting the chemicals when they're you know anti-vaccination. And it's like really, it's it's a chemical. It's got a really scary sounding name. These are the things it can do. Yes, in this biological context, but as far as it comes down to electronic cigarettes, I think we can all agree that no, it's not fantastic for you. But until the case studies come out and say that electronic cigarette smoking will turn you into a freaking neo-Nazi and kill you on the spot then don't come at me with this whole this whole mentality of, of just don't do it. Just just quit smoking altogether. No, 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 no. We're looking for alternatives. There are people out there who desperately want to quit. If you're not going to provide solutions, and I mean this kindly, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, my employer, unfortunately, they kind of backed into all this fear-mongering. And because, like you said, there haven't been any really well-funded clinical studies, so uh, they barred all e-cigs indoors. So for me, it was mm-hmm. like, what the fuck's the difference if I'm going outside to puff my e-cig and going outside to have a cigarette? So that didn't really help me either in that yeah. regard. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's water vapor, it's not like it's going to seep into the walls and the place is going to start stinking and, and it's be all wretched and whatnot. Um, yeah. I, I know several people in my industry when I see them in the booth and they're they're puffing away in the booth, but uh, oh shit! <laughs> but but you know, e cig though. So uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, some of the businesses are like, yeah, yeah, no, we, we got to kowtow to the pressure and whatnot. It's like, but why? Why? This is not the same thing. It's not like the smoke lingers and it's full of carcinogens and blah blah blah. Yeah, but there's there's as usual with a lot of things, there is a lack. Of people taking the time to educate themselves on these particular issues. A uh, perfect example is like here in Fort Collins, they have a statute saying that if you're going to be outside smoking in a public place, you must be at least 20 feet away from the entrance, which that's perfectly reasonable. Um, but when we were living in the heart of Fort Collins, we're living in this little loft above a bakery, the only place I could really smoke was right outside on the corner, which was around the corner, and I would do my absolute best to stay out of the flow of traffic, try to blow my smoke away from people, et cetera, et cetera, sundry. And I remember one day in particular, there was a woman who had to be at least, I want to say, 30 yards away from me at a different restaurant, who then proceeds to come over and start chewing me out about secondhand smoke, what it's doing to her, blah, 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 blah. And she wasn't expecting a, a smart-ass intellectual to start firing back at her when I calmly explained to her, one, it's 20 feet away from an entrance, not the building itself. 20 feet away from the building itself puts me out in the street. And number two, at that distance, at the level of parts per million that my smoke has when it reaches you, you have now just in, imbibed the same amount of nicotine that is concentrated in the skin of a tomato. So... It's it's all about ed- education and not buying into the the clickbaiting nonsense and the hype and it's just like just take some time triple source some things and if you're not again if you're not going to offer solutions beyond suck it up cupcake particularly if you've never smoked before please go away don't need your opinion here bookmarksnopes.com <laughs> oh yeah that's good god <laughs> Snopes.com and PolitiFact.org. I swear to God, I have those ready anytime there's an election and the family starts sending emails. I guess it gets tougher nowadays because not only do you have The Onion, but you have mm-hmm. all these other knockoff sites that are parody sites, but nowhere oh. is it clearly defined that it is a parody site. So people will share it and post it as the truth. And this is this is deep, dark, serious, and dangerous. Mm-hmm. Every freaking day, my news feed is filled with this nonsense i'm like oh my god take five minutes please <laughs> i'm the asshole that takes the time to debunk those posts i really do god go, bless you i'll do a little bit of research and then post my findings and trying to convince people just don't blindly uh repost you know or share links to stories when you haven't checked that they're factual that that's one of those things that drives me up a freaking wall you and me both i <laughs> <laughs> see uh see things like uh the headline will be something definitive, like the original versions of the Star Wars trilogy are definitely coming. You click on it, and it's like two sources say that Lucasfilm may, may be, <laughs> may possibly be. It's not an official announcement. It's like, wait a minute, clickbait. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I read yesterday that said, um, "Oh, you know, they, they found proof that King David and King Solomon really existed." And I thought, "Wow, this is interesting." So I'm going to read this. They found yeah. a portion of a seal kind of like the, the old-fashioned wax seals, uh-huh. in an area where King David and, and uh, Solomon's Temple may have been. 
but I don't equate the fact that you find a part of a seal with that giving any validity to King Solomon and King David. It, that was clickbait. But here it is. It's, it's a professional research paper done by like four PhDs, uh-huh. and the title was just so uh, – Backwards, you start reading the article. It's like, no, this isn't what this is about at all. That mm-hmm. out of context <laughs> happens all the time. My god, man, freaking internet! <laughs> yeah, so what has the internet done for your art, uh, in a positive Ooh. way and in a negative way? In the positive way, um, there was a time there, uh, especially when I was doing freelance illustration, where the internet was very, very giving in terms of the way I could reach a potential audience. Because up until I started really promoting online, the only place people could really see me was like PlayStation Magazine, or they might see me at a convention and then suddenly discover, hey, he does art too. Um, so social media, up until a certain point was huge. Just that ability to instantly connect not only with your existing audience, but with new audiences. Sharing, retweeting, reposting, all of that was fantastic. And then we get to current age, where you've got Twitter and Facebook both twisting the heuristics, and um, Facebook very, very famously uh, announced that they were going to make things even harder um, for independent businesses, those um, little fan pages that people follow on Facebook, what a lot of people don't know is that if you are the owner of one of those pages and you make a post, you'll see a little button down towards the bottom that says promote this post. Huh, I wonder what that means. What it means is that if there are 500 people following your Facebook page on a good day, maybe 120 of them will even see that post Uh, show up in their feed. For the rest of those followers, that post does not exist unless you are willing to pay for it to exist. Mm -hmm. And there are stories online of entrepreneurs of every stripe literally shelling out thousands of dollars a month just for the expressed purpose of making sure that the people who follow them can see what the hell they're posting. And the same, you see the same thing on Twitter. You see promoted tweets. It's the same thing. Not quite as draconian, say, as what Facebook is doing, but it, it is that same gig. And what we're running into right now, especially for the freelancer or the small business owner or, or things like that, is uh, I guess they decided that we've reached that magical point of saturation where they can start making a quick buck off of it. But for those smaller types of people, say the person doing their webcomic or they're doing a small series on YouTube that don't have the funds just to make sure people see what they're posting about, it's like, sorry, kid, you're shit out of luck. Next time, be Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola can pay millions of dollars a year year just on their social media campaign. And it's not just the people actively running it. It's for the express purpose of I'm going to make a post and 100% of the people following me is going to see it. And it's ridiculous. I brought up our Facebook page for the Big Ball Broadcast. And, you know, uh, Kyle and I can relate entirely. We we have a fan page. It's considered public figure. We have mm-hmm. about 1,100 people following us right now. And I'm looking at our post. And at the, the bottom of every one, it says boost post. And then it tells mm-hmm. you how many people you reached. And we're averaging 70 to 80 people reached out of our 1,100 followers. So... Yep. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty disgusting what they're doing. <laughs> and um, 
yeah, uh, something that came to my mind was uh, as we're recording this this podcast, it's it's right before Christmas, and mm-hmm. um, Trent Reznor has re- unleashed uh, like a 500 gig torrent of of concerts. And you're thinking like, okay, he's leading the charge, and he's really, you know, putting this big fu to the music industry and, and music piracy and all that stuff. But I mean, you know, he could do that because he's established. You know, who's mm-hmm. to, who's to say that, you know, um, your, your music or Perimeter of the Void, Steve's band, or, or whatnot yeah. could could have the same effect and, and the same reach? Oh God, no. Um, there was a great article uh, today about um, Farrell's hit "Happy." And the millions and millions of plays it got on Pandora with all its advertisements and everything else. Now, millions and millions of plays of this song on a station that is getting millions and millions of dollars in advertising. And the amount of profit that the artist made himself is in the quadruple digits, is in the thousands. That's it. That's all he made. And of course, when you're talking about someone like Trent Reznor, they've already—I mean—they've got the established reach. It's like you're saying when someone like me or someone like Steve tries to promote our own work, we're really relying on the sheer power of Vox Populi, and that's not even a guaranteed anymore. Because even those people who are kind enough to actually stop and take a moment to copy and paste a link, or hit retweet, or even hit like. It's, it's not guaranteed that the rest of the people on their friends list are going to see it because it's all about how the uh, heuristics are so borked. And another artist friend of mine, uh, Bob DeJesus, and I got into this conversation about it where it seems that as each day passes, where social media grows more and more and more, more and more obstacles and impediments are being thrown in the way of the smaller and smaller artist. Basically, if you are not established, if you do not have the bank to bankroll this thing, if you're not part of a larger conglomerate concern, sorry, welcome to the new internet. We've gone from Web 2.0, which was user-defined, user-driven, user-content-created to these companies coming in and saying, oh, cool, here's your price tag. Okay, now as a musician... Steve or yourself, you know, it's like if you, it seems like bands, if you want to monetize, you have to tour because otherwise you pretty much have to give your music away because album sales are a thing of the past, really. Yeah. How Um, how do you adjust to that model? Um, I I think I. (laughs) Steve just says, uh, we logistically, we can't tour. We're two people, you know. I, I think, I think it was said best recently to me. Um, I, I, God, I wish I could remember the article. But it was back in the day, you would do the tour to promote your album. Nowadays, you're doing the album to promote your tour. So you have bands, say, um, like when I was talking with you the other day, um, Pomplamoose, which is this great little fun indie band. They make these these charming little videos. I absolutely adore them. Uh, they recently posted up a exemplar lining out all the costs that they incurred for being able to go on tour. Now, mind you, this is a tour that their fans had been asking for. Sort of like, okay, screw it, let's go. Uh, The caveat here is that the male member of the band is also a co-founder of Patreon. So, of course, he has his own Patreon thing for the band itself. After they posted this, this data sheet of their costs that they had incurred, they got ripped to shreds by online people. And it was the most myopic, just garbage that you could possibly – people saying things like, well, 
why the hell would you pay for a backup band? Or why the hell would you pay for your sound tech or your lighting? And I'm sitting there going, gee, I don't know, probably because those people are professionals and would like to fucking get paid for their skills too. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and they, they, they tried to basically show transparency and then they were vilified for it. It was it was like watching a locust swarm devour something beautiful. I mean, here you have in a, in a world where we are retching over pop stars and the Justin Biebers and just raging against the corporate machine of audio. And you've got these great little one acts who come out and say, we're going to do things our way on our terms. And here, here's transparency. This is where your money's going. And then you have these people tearing into them with a big fuck you. It's like... You can't win. You absolutely can't win unless you hit that big break. And that's the dichotomy there. If you're the busker on the street, you get total respect. And maybe, maybe the right person with the right video makes you viral and you go big. Or you're already established and you shilling something is not even blinked at. No one makes a comment about it. But if you fall right within that very, very large gray swath of not having made it, but trying to make it on your own, you will be crucified, Mm -hmm. absolutely crucified for the simple act of trying to promote your own work. And it is completely, absolutely the exact definition of fucking asinine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it, it, Zero, tell yeah. me all about uh, shameless self-promotion. Shameless, <laughs> shameless self-promotion. This happened when um, my wife and I uh, got to go see the Nutcracker Live, which was fantastic. And it just so happened that my friends who took us to go see the Nutcracker had been cool enough to purchase two of my novels. I just set these things up on Lulu. People were asking for print. Here you go. They bought two copies. Now, up until this point, and, and, and this surprises some people. I had not seen a copy of it. I could not actually afford to go and, and buy my own book. And I'm talking even at the 50% off they give me. I just didn't have the money for it. So I'm finally holding this book in my hands. It's real. Just a f- metric fuck ton of work and, and sleepless nights and all the rigmarole that writers out there can understand when I say that we go through hell to put this thing together. And in, and and I small aside, I hate photos of myself. I genuinely do. But even I was happy enough at that moment to kind of pick up the book in front of my face and have Katie snap a photo of it. Mm-hmm. She snaps a photo of it. We get back home. I immediately post it to Twitter with with no link to my book or or advertisement or anything like that. It's just I'm sharing a happy moment because I'm happy and I want to share it with the people who follow me or who even remotely give a shit. And I'm immediately hit with a tweet of hashtag uh, shame, uh, shameless advertising. And I kind of stopped. And, and Katie comes in and asks me what's wrong. And I'm sitting there glaring at the screen because I know the tweet was made in jest. But my problem was I've heard this, this kind of rhetoric and this mindset so often in the past decade of, of any of the work I do. That it kind of set me off, and it was the straw that broke the camel's back, to use the overused metaphor. And I immediately launched into working on this next blog post, basically spelling out that, you know, it's not shameless advertising, joking or not. And I hate that phrase, and I reject it, because that implies, at least on some level, 
that I, being the independent artist, or even if I was a part of something larger, should feel shame for promoting my work. Fuck that. I'm proud of the work I turned out. I worked damn hard on it. I, I worked my ass off to provide an entertaining yard for people, and they are enjoying it. And I'm trying to pay my bills based off of my creative skill set, which is really the dream. We all want to work and get paid doing what we love. And it just seems that there's this weird sickness that pervades the culture where the artist or the creative mind must stand alone from that. Where the moment you start promoting your own work, again, in between the spectrum of street busker and really famous pop star, if you're in that middle spectrum, you are held to a ridiculous standard that is the up is down, black is white, house of cards kind of methodology that says if you are promoting your own stuff, you are somehow cheapening the work. Fuck that. Fuck you. And what makes it even more sad is you and I both, Zero, we, we both kind of do the same thing where when we're mm-hmm. working on a project, be it music or, or a book, we mm-hmm. post updates and we do blogs and we say, hey, working on this, I'm in the mixing stage and that or just bang out a chapter and I'm going to have mm-hmm. some people look it over and do the editing. So you would think at least some of your fan base would be aware of some of that blood, sweat and tears that goes into this product. You just yes. don't wake up one morning, bang out a book and say, okay, it's done now. Now I want to go to this fuckers to buy it. You're, you're yeah. journaling the process of how much hard work this is and the days you're just banging your head against your desk in frustration because you can't finish what you want to finish or whatever. And then people come out and they're like, well, that, that wasn't as good as I thought it would be. Or uh, in, in your case, you know, to paraphrase, who are you to promote it now that it's done? Yeah. And, and yeah. It, it feels like a, a real stab to the heart because you've been so transparent with the process. Yeah. And it, it particularly um – I had mentioned in the article that um, on my YouTube channel and all the little videos I've made and all the music I've put up, I have since, long since, removed any and all YouTube advertising. And even though I went into the breakdown of how little money advertising really nets people on YouTube unless you've got millions and millions of hits, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're talking about people who are knocking me for what they see as shamelessly promoting my work. Okay, whatever. And I find more often than not that these are the same types of people who will put up an entire album of someone else's music and slip under the radar and they have an ad on it. They're getting money for someone else's work. Or in the case of because YouTube, I love you, but your your content ID system is fucked. You've got artists uh, doing fantastic covers of video game music and whatnot. And they're getting hundreds of thousands, millions of hits a month. They advertise. They make a little side money on it. But I found that if you are smaller, much smaller, not pulling in as much ad revenue, they won't let you advertise. I had four different songs that were just straight covers of video game music that I got flagged for. When I'm sitting here going, okay, this guy who just covered the Halo theme has 10 million views on this. And is making serious bank off the McDonald's ad you decide to slap on the front of this. And because my my nerdcore rap song contained one reference to one lyric of another song, I get flagged because my views are only in the dozens. Okay, I see how this works. But then you're dealing 
with the people who are sending you hate mail because I've gotten I've gotten so much hate mail about this over the years and it's ridiculous. It's like why are you sending me hate mail for just promoting my stuff? Yes, I understand you saw it and I think that's fantastic. Particularly now, if you saw it, you were one of the lucky few. But you're not my only viewer. You're not my only follower. I'm, I'm pushing this stuff out because I have to. I have to work under the suspicion and under the aegis, if you will, of at least eighty percent of the people who follow me or follow my page on Facebook not seeing this. So yeah, you're going to see repeats. You're you're going to see me making three plugs a day for the exact same thing because I have to work under that consideration of the majority of people I post to at a specific time are just not going to see it. But again, it's 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 because we have this ass backwards from the word go view of creative work as quote not a real job and that carries over into the whole thing of unless you are the iconic starving artist that you are this pristine atavistic image of suffering and creativity the moment you try to bring money into it or, God forbid, ask for fair pay for the work you do, well then, oh, oh, you are just worthy of ridicule. You are worthy to be thrown to the, li- to the lions, young Christian. It's almost as if they have to go through it themselves before they actually get it. Then yeah. they'll, they'll change their tune. Yeah. But uh, this kind of segues into what I originally approached you for being a guest on the show is about. Oh, is hey. You're... Your, your, <laughs> But that, hey, we're we're covering it all. It's awesome. Ah. So, you know, you're a very passionate individual, and you've been yes. generating content on all mediums for for well over a decade, and it's awesome. And uh, I hopefully this will help boost the signal and get you some sales and whatnot I and commissions. But um, when you chime in on fan entitlement, you know, oh, yes. when 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 these people come at you and say dickish things like shameless self promoter. Or they, or they, they feel that they can just pick apart every everything that someone else has put their heart and soul into. Granted, on a corporate level, in the case of Star Wars or, or whatnot, and um, you know, I, I, you kind of lead the charge, and it kind of sounded like uh, what the Podfather himself here on the host of the network here, uh, Kevin Smith, says. You know, if you think you can do better, then go out there and do it. Go create something, and you know. For good or for bad, at least you you own it. it. It's it's your baby, and your vision gets out there. If you truly think that Michael Bay is destroying your childhood, which I think that is the most cliche thing in the world, it's like no, what you grew up on is not erased because Michael Bay made a big screen version of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so yeah, I wanted you to to kind of speak to that because yeah, I thought your your blog article was excellent. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, small aside leading into that, I, I forgot to tell you, I actually got two pieces of hate mail, uh, specifically because of that article. The first one uh, was the oh-so-eloquent, you suck, and nothing more. Fantastic. Uh, the second one was because I had the temerity to mention Gamergate in anything but a positive, glowing light. And I'm like, thank you for proving my point. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We, we actually had this conversation a few years ago um, when we were talking about some of the horror stories of fans at anime conventions, um, the ones that absolutely hate dub actors and hold us accountable for, quote, ruining their favorite show. And, and some of the just the, the horrible things we've seen at cons. And I remember talking to you basically saying, it's only going to get worse. And, and you asked me if I really thought that. And... 
was like, yes, I'm not being cynical because that was also right around the time that the uh, John Gabriel's Greater Internet Fuckwad Theory came out, which states that internet plus anonymity equals jackass. And we can't even lay claim to anonymity anymore because the people who are doing this, they're posting personal details. They're posting their picture. They're posting their their work information. I mean, they're here saying, see me, loathe me. And the problem I see with this self-entitlement run amok is that we have forgotten, we have lost sight of what it means to stop at parody and to immediately go to the ad hominem. And in my article, I, I had brought up the whole lightsaber thing because what I was seeing more and more online wasn't just people making those fun little images uh, about that tri-saber, which I think are absolutely fucking hilarious. Right. But they were actively attacking anyone who liked it, not even defended it, but just said, hey, I think that's pretty cool. And here come the trolls, just tearing them to pieces for no other reason than – We've, we've reached the point where the accepted mode of behavior is no longer a spirited debate, but it is actively attacking and in sometimes causing genuine physical distress on the people whom we disagree with. And I, I invoked the ghastly specter of Gamergate because here we have basically one group who disagrees with another group. This group is simply saying, well, we're just pointing out what we see in video games, blah, blah, blah. The other group saying under the guise of gamer journalism, which, hey, guys, reviews are editorial. Look it up. But anyways, going to such great lengths as they have someone they disagree with. So I'm going to share intimate details about their personal lives, photos of their children's, layouts of their fucking house. Are you kidding me? And when they were called on this, they came in two flavors of rebuttal. Well, yeah, that's bad, but no, stop right there. No, it's fucking horrendous and two wrongs do not make a right. Uh, right? A right. It's This tit-for-tat shit has got to stop. And the second flavor being grow thicker skin. That's the accepted behavior. We've gone so freaking far afield from where we are because we're finally – I mean we're the cool kids on the bus, guys. Look around you. Look at the TV shows. Look at the movies. Look at the music. Look at the things that are pandering to you on a given day. Think geek. Go to your Amazon wish list and you've got all the geeky treasures that you could only dream about back in the day. Mm-hmm. And we're talking over a period of eight years this has changed. Eight years. Eight years ago, this was not happening. It was a gleam. It was a hope. But the, it, was no, it was nowhere near the reality. And we're living in such a golden age of geekdom right now that it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking to me how quickly we are tearing it asunder for no other reason than we've bought into this alpha douchebag male mentality of saying not only does my opinion matter and you suck, my opinion's the only one that matters and I'm going to silence you no matter how, how what it takes. I'm going to go to those extremes and there's nothing you can say against it because LOL, this is the internet now. No, fuck that. Fuck that noise. Stand up. Be counted. Don't be a part of that. Don't get on the bandwagon mentality. And the challenge I made to people wasn't about if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all because that's weak. 
That's, that's a weak aside. That's a diversion. That's dissembling. I challenged people to make their own things. And it wasn't just the call to critique of, oh, let's see you do better. I want people to make things and put themselves out there because that's what we need. The only way that we're going to maintain this momentum we've got right now is by making new things, trying new things. Because I promise you, all those companies that you kowtow to or lash out at on Twitter – they're listening. And you know what message they're getting? This isn't worth it. Trying something new isn't worth it. Don't believe me? Enjoy your next Call of Duty game. Enjoy your next fucked up Assassin's Creed. Enjoy your next entire game that comes as DLC. Because that's the only way they're going to feel comfortable making money off you. Enjoy your rehashed scripts and ideas and watch the entire comic book uh, comic book movie industry and the comic book television industry go by the fucking wayside because you people aren't worth it because you haven't figured out how to stop and appreciate and really just have conversations rather than attack one another like fucking hyenas there's no account for it there's no call for it and i'm calling due on every single one of you out there make something Stan Winston started from nothing as a makeup artist, and now his name after his death is the benchmark for quality in all practical effects in in the movies. Weta Digital started the same way. Lights and Magic started the same way. Every single thing that you've enjoyed today started by people who said, you know what? I think we can do this too. We might be able to do it better. They didn't bitch. They didn't moan. They didn't go out on Tumblr and tear things apart or lay into other people who happen to like things. They didn't act like the dicks who were persecuting us back in school for the things we loved. And you've got no excuse for it. Well, well you, so, have, yes. you have these people that I believe aren't creators, but they demand – action from the creators. Uh, I forget yes. what game it was, and I know you know, Zero, but um, you really can have the nerve to complain about the end of a game and the demand that the developer oh. of the game because mm-hmm. you had a problem. <laughs> well, where That's the fuck's your degree from, from the college you graduated from in, in game design, and, and where the fuck's your products that you're making? But no, you're going to sit on your couch with your yeah. shirt tested with Doritos and, and talk about how I don't, as, as a gamer, as somebody who paid 60 bucks for this game, I don't appreciate the ending of that game. So now I'm going to start a petition and I'm going to demand that you change that to suit my needs, mm-hmm. my desires, far away from what the creator had originally intended. Yeah. And I, I remember, um, because it was shortly after someone had sent me a copy of Assassin's Creed Unity as a gift, which, hey, f- Fran freaking tastic, I love Assassin's Creed. But then all the horror stories came out about the connectivity issues and the glaring graphical bugs and things like that. And everyone's laying into Ubisoft for the Rush product. And I'm sitting here going, yes, Ubisoft has major culpability here because they put out a broken game. Has anyone stopped to consider why they put out a broken game? Could it possibly be because of the, the demand that the fans have been making? for these really timely, really quick releases? Could it possibly be because their profit margin is riding on a non-salient demographic now, which can turn on a dime for no reason whatsoever? I mean, most of the reasoning I'm seeing out there when it comes to critique, and it's not constructive, it's just non-sequitur. So that's, that's really the impetus for the challenge I put out was it wasn't, 
so much a put yourself in their shoes and see how it feels. It's guys, these these larger company concerns are going to go by the wayside. They're going to one day come to the well that we've all been drawing from and they're going to realize it's not worth refilling. So the only the only people who are going to carry us through because we are the curators of our own culture is really if we step up and start making things. You don't like the new DC 52? Fantastic. I don't like it either. Have you tried writing comics? Why don't you try a webcomic? You don't want to go that route? Well, why don't you put together a portfolio, go to these comic conventions, and pitch your idea? Even if you don't get on with the big guys, there's plenty of indie publishers out there who will be like, hey, that's a pretty good idea, and you never know where it goes from there. And that's 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 it. It's just putting aside the hate and the anonymity, and even if you don't make something, at least taking time to lift someone up. Be a true fan. And I know Kyle and Steve will both uh, fervently agree with me on this, that a true fan is someone who actively supports what they are a fan of. And if you if you can't make it yourself, then be a true fan. Take the time to retweet, to share, to like, to repost the video, to share it on your social media. Because as an independent creative person myself, I can tell you that is the best thing that you can do to promote the work and ensure that we make more stuff. I like the uh, the mantra of, you know, don't be a dick from Will mm-hmm. Wheaton. I also like the little jingle uh, that I saw on YouTube that gets reshared all the time. It's just a short, sweet little jingle that you can't help, but it's an earworm. It's like, it's okay to not like things. It's okay, <laughs> yeah. but don't be a dick about it. It's okay to not like things. Yeah. Don't be a dick about the things you don't like. I so. love that one. Yeah, it's true. But but we're so I say we the general consensus is being so quick to be the first in, the most clever, the most scathing that we've lost sight of objectivity. It's it's now we've gone from the gold standard being first to reply to something to being first to tear apart something. I and and now we're going to such horrific lengths. I mean, how many stories have we heard in the past two years alone of geeky fans who were fans of just this one little niche thing that got bullied into suicide because of it? Because trolls didn't care. Because people didn't stop and think about the person on the other end of that commentary. They, they, they had no wherewithal. That person is now no longer a person. They've been dehumanized and they don't care. And unfortunately, again, this bandwagon mentality of I can be clever and I can be scathing too. So I'm, I'm, that's what I'm going to focus on. The, the first snarky thing I can say that comes into my head, boom. The first person that, that disagrees with me or that likes something that I think is stupid, boom, headshot. I'm taking them out because that shows how intelligent I am. That shows how pervasively on the pulse of internet culture I am. And I'm here to tell you, it is absolute bullshit. You are proving nothing to anyone. You are being a horrible human being. And we need to stop and, and remember that there are human beings on the other end of this shit. 
I think those are the people that either can't create or they were afraid to create because they wouldn't be able to handle the internet's criticism themselves. Oh, so very that's, true. That's, that's their solution to just poo on everything because God forbid that, that gets slung back in my direction. Then, then the corollary I would make there, because that is absolutely true, is we need more people, especially if you can't create anything, especially if, if you're not in a position to financially just support the things you love. Be willing, have the courage to stand up for others. It's very simple. It, it costs you nothing. If, you're, if you already have the bravado to do that, there is nothing they can say or do to truly come at you. Have the courage to stand up. If we have more people like that, more people remembering that being a geek is less about not giving a fuck what other people think about our pastimes and more about being passionate and collective about our pastimes, I think that can solve a lot of the issues right there. Put aside the cynicism. Put aside this idea that you have to be hard, which is bullshit. Put aside this idea that to be scathing and cruel and everything isn't just for 4chan. Put aside that. Remember to be in awe again. Remember to be excited again. Remember to geek out with each other again. What Remember is so to be human about again. that? No shit. I mean... I, re- I remember, and I'm dating myself, if I don't care, those great, great sessions, early 2000s. I'm, I'm at conventions before I've even done voice acting or really anything to get me to a convention. I'm there as a fan. And just the random pockets of great geeking out we would have. Video games, anime that's coming out. Ooh, this manga would be a great anime. Who would you cast as this? Blah, 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 blah. And any time we had a disagreement... It was lighthearted. We proved our points. We didn't. We we attacked the argument, not the person. Look up ad hominem, kids. It's not that hard. It's a logical fallacy, and it's not doing your case any favors. Yeah. I have two young children, uh, two boys. They're four and seven. And I tell them just about on a daily basis: do what you love, and I will back you one hundred percent. It doesn't matter if I enjoy it or if I agree with it, as long as it's nothing harmful, you know. But yeah. if if they're willing to take that emotional chance because let's admit it anytime we do something the three of us you create music um books voice acting you're putting yourself out there emotionally you're setting yourself up for an attack yeah so i tell my kids i will support you 100 percent. you don't have to worry about what other people or what the internet has to say but I, i want you to not lose that don't lose sight of that because People get scared, they get bullied, and they become very withdrawn very quickly. And then there goes all that creativity. There was a beautiful webcomic, and I know Kevin Smith has shared it at one point. I don't know where it originated. And it showed the difference of this is what happens when you encourage a child, and it goes Mm -hmm. on for like 15 pages. And then it shows you what happens when you discourage a child, and it's literally two panels. And Mm -hmm. it's just that kid giving up, saying, fuck it, it's not worth it. Yeah. I think everybody should have to look at that and everybody should have to read that and get a little bit of understanding of what it's like to put yourself out there when you're being creative and and you're putting your heart and your soul out there. I I think people miss that part. Like I said, you didn't wake up this morning and write a book. Yeah. It doesn't happen like that. No, God, no. I wish. Jesus, that would make my life easier. Right. I mean, there's a vulnerability when you put yourself out there, but it is soul soul satisfaction. You know, when you you have a labor of love, blood, sweat, tears, you take the and you create. And of course, you want it to be accepted. And, and, you know, you don't want haters to come, but you you just accept it. There's going to be the Internet mob no matter what you, you put out there. 
Well, I think the caveat there is, again, hearkening back to that earlier conversation, is the amount of vitriol one might have seen when they put something out in, say, circa 2004 versus the amount of vitriol we see now where the the trolls – um, we've be, we've become so hip to obvious troll is obvious, but now it, it's harder to tell the difference because everyone's jumping. That is the game. That that's that seems to be it's the going craze. How quickly can we tear this down? No matter how much love or effort or anything is put into it, that that gets thrown out the window. Who cares? Let's see who can make the most peppy, snappy comments on this particular video or this particular piece of music to tear this person down. And I think we need to take a step back, realize where we came from, as you know, dogged as that sounds, realize how good we have it right now, and celebrate it. I'm not talking kumbaya or anything like that, because let's face it, we geeks can be a snarky lot. I mean, <laughs> that's who we are. But just taking a moment to stop and say, you know what, I think I can stop at the Photoshop image of this particular scene and and there's suddenly a dick in his mouth now and that's hilarious. I don't need to <laughs> actively wage a campaign on social media uh, you know, hashtag SJWs suck and everything else. I don't, I don't, need, I don't need to. I've, made, I've had my funny. I don't agree with it. I'm not a big fan of it. it. Perfect example. The trailer for the new Jurassic World came out and my friends are going gaga over it. My exact commentary was limited to this. I feel bad because I am not as excited about this movie as everyone else is in my circle of friends. And that's it. I didn't go on to to trash the merits or the vices of the movie. I didn't go on to say, oh, my God, if you like motorcycle raptors, you're a fucking idiot. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. I simply – I said my piece. Not a fan. I might go see it. I probably will wait till it comes out, and that's it. And then, and then the whole lightsaber thing. It was. It was basically the same thing. I had the reaction of this made me feel like a kid again. My wife and I geeked out for the next three hours over it. But even even with my defense of the weapon, which I, even that was a moot point. There was no need for it. It's adding to the noise. I could have just come in, and I did of saying I really like this. It made me really happy, and I commented on, on Steve's page of saying, I really liked it. I didn't take him to task for not liking it or, or thinking something was left out. I didn't take any of my other friends to task for not liking the saber, and then I go on Twitter. And then I see the just absolute deluge of hate for people who liked it. And I'm like, come on, guys, really? You want to know why we can't have nice things? This shit right here. Well, you know, and, and it's unfortunate, but I have to keep it in mind every day. I've, I've been working on my book for seven years now. I'm hoping the eighth year, next year, I'll finally get this thing out and published. But I came <laughs> to terms with myself that I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this to, to see this through to the end. And if I sell a dozen books when, when it's published, I'll, I'll be happy. I can deal with that because my goal is to make me happy. The same thing with Perimeter of the Void. When my brother-in-law and I get together and we record, we're doing what makes us happy. And it's kind of like, hey, if you jump on board and you dig it, awesome. But if you don't, we're still happy. We're, we're happy we came together. We put the time in. We created something we enjoy. So I have a thicker skin. I agree with what you're saying, Zero. People shouldn't have to have that thicker skin to get through it. But mm-hmm. I think as long as your your intentions are in the right place, 
it helps you kind of get through it a little bit easier. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Lord knows I've certainly developed a thicker skin over the years. I mean, you have to, but it's now we're, we're entering the phase of you almost have to instantly come into it with that thicker skin. Like you have to have, you better fucking armor up Tony Stark because it's going to get bad. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some and good, what we wrap up. I just, I, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, let me cut you off there, but, um, I want to know what are you doing and where can I purchase what you're doing? Okay. Well, first off, I've got my first novel, The Rime of the Golden Aegis, which is a steampunk fantasy set in an original world. And you can find that at lulu.com. That's the print version. Or if you're more the tablet reader type, you can find it at smashwords.com, where I also have my two other novellas set in the exact same universe. Um, Tales of Colopa, The Fallworth Papers, and Tales of Colopa, Tuning the Orchestra. The book I'm working on now, which I will be shopping out to publishers, is a novelization of the work I started well over ten years ago called Sword Waltzer, which, if anyone remembers that long ago webcomic, is my original epic fantasy. As far as uh, where you might see me coming up, uh, next month, at the end of next month, January 30th through February 1st, I will be at OhioCon and really stoked to be there. And that's going to be at the Hyatt Regency Columbus and the Greater Columbus Convention Center. And then later on this summer, uh, July 24th through July 26th, I'll be at Anime Iowa, which is in Coralville, Iowa. All right. Excellent. And, of course, uh, we'll have all the links on the show notes for people to find Zero Reynolds uh, in print, ebooks, uh, your SoundCloud page, all you need to find your tunes and all that stuff, your website, your blog, all that fun stuff will be on our show notes. So check it out on our, on our Smodcast page. Zero, thanks for taking the time today. It's been awesome hearing your viewpoints. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Awesome sauce. Well, okay, that is another episode of the Big Ball Broadcast in the can. We'll do it next time. So until then, this is Kyle A. Bear. And this is Other World Steve. See y'all. Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music heard in this podcast provided by Perimeter of the Void. Follow the Big Ball Broadcast on Twitter at BB Broadcast and email thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com. Smodpods continue to pack live shows in 2015. Don't miss Kevin Ralph for Hollywood Babylon at the Hollywood Improv every Friday. Kevin Andy makes minds mighty with edumacation at the Ice House in Pasadena on January 31st. Looking ahead to February, Jason Muse hits Wizard World Madison Comic Con February 6th through 8th. Ice House in Pasadena hosts Jay and Silent Bob Get Old on the 28th. Kev goes solo at the Tempe Improv on March 14th, followed with Jay and Bob Get Old. Why Bry heads to Florida in April. Fort Lauderdale Improv on April 17th, Palm Beach Improv on the 18th, and Orlando Improv on the 19th. Kev does an evening with in Fort Lauderdale as well on the 17th, and then West Palm Beach on the 18th. Cough up a little cash to see your favorite purveyors of free funny on Sir as they hit the road, coming soon to a con or comedy club near you. Tickets for these and all Smodco shows are at csmod.com.